0: This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. So here's the deal. Someone messaged me pretty recently and said something about weight loss, and it reminded me that we need to talk. It's the new year, people are talking about weight loss and weight management, and as a nutritionist, I need to tell you why I don't really do weight loss. And also, as you already know, it's a really flipping, confusing world out there in weight loss and weight management, and my brain thinks really strategically in how, I guess, how I want to be able to share some weight perspectives as I see them in today's society, And then tell you why I don't really employ a lot of these traditional methods. Um, So I'm probably not going to be all inclusive, but I do think that these pillars that I want to share are pretty important. So um, they are including, we're going to talk a little bit about mindset and accountability as a piece, like mechanics 101 of weight loss, health at every size and the intuitive eating movement, and then functional and foundational imbalances. But before we get into that, I think that it's probably fair to give you a little bit of my own quote unquote weight story, which was, I'll try to keep short, after having a couple babies back to back within a couple years of each other, I was feeling pretty bleh, just not great. And really looking back, it was, it may have been less about my weight than it was about how I was identifying with myself and what I saw as my purpose in life than it was about weight. But I just didn't really feel that great. And as we've had these conversations in the past, I know Jessica McKinley, who's been on the show twice, um, and does some life coaching and fitness coaching says, sometimes it's hard to work on the rest of yourself when your health is a mess. And so kind of before I forget this example, I have someone, um, I can think of a case right now where someone's got this migraine. And after getting a bunch of other data back on her, it's way more than that. There's a lot of problems underneath the surface. But it was hard to even see the symptoms of that because the migraine hurts so bad. And I think that weight can be the same way. It's like maybe there's a lot of other things under the surface. But because the weight hurts so bad, um, for a lot of reasons, either physically hurt or emotionally and mentally is taking a toll on relationships, etc. I think it can be hard to focus on anything else. So sometimes I used to get a lot more messages about this. And I kind of changed some things that were put online. People would email me and say, Oh, my gosh, I need weight loss. I mean, so my point is, is people will come to sometimes say I need this. And I kind of my uh, contest to that is that let's have a conversation and talk about if that's what you really need. So I can offer some insight on if it's really what you need, or if you should go in this direction, because you're going to get you're not going to get weight loss if you don't read build this foundational piece. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So let's go back to the pillars. So people come wanting weight loss or weight management, what do you really need? So let's talk about these pillars and see if these any of these you identify with. So I'm hoping that I give you an identifiable person here. So one thing that can Um, be a real killer when we're working on weight loss or weight management is mindset and accountability. Notice I didn't really say motivation because I think that can be a double edged sword. People are like, I don't have motivation. And that sort of is a mindset. So, um, you know, I identify as someone who really needs a lot of accountability. So um, people can get accountability through these programs that offer community or creating your own community. And why is this important? So people are kind of inherently lonely. There's several published articles out there about how social media, for example, makes us feel even lonelier and gives us a kind of an inaccurate view of perfection and kind of fear of missing out. And it's probably why I know it feels like I'm kind of off topic, but it's probably why accounts that stream That scream like authenticity um, are really well loved, right? So when people are really honest and kind of raw about themselves, those those things tend to be more popular. And I think there's, you know, this is one reason why companies like Weight Watchers and Beachbody and gyms like Orange Theory and maybe even CrossFit gyms are successful. Just one reason is that they can work really well. And part of the reason that they can work so well is that they help with mindset and accountability and community. And actually. To be perfectly honest and transparent, I used one of these services that matched my own personality and lifestyle best to lose 20 pounds over a year or two before I went into private practice. And so I do think that this is a big piece. And so understanding if this is a piece for you, and maybe it's a piece for everyone, understand if this is where you're falling short. Is that the problem? Like, do you know what to do, but it's just implementing it? Is that the problem, right? Um, So understanding, you know, which one of these pieces is the the piece that you kind of have to focus on. And maybe it's a couple of them. Next is really... Anyway, so mindset and accountability, like that can get hard to help people with over a long, long time. So I used to try to do that. Um, but there's a reason I kind of stopped it and it's no f- fault of really anyone's. It was just what lights your fire after a while, right? And so I kind of liked getting into some of that deeper, deeper sciencey stuff and deeper lab stuff that we're going to talk about later. So mindset accountability kind of important. So the next pillar that I think about is like overall mechanics, like weight loss 101, like what works and what doesn't work. And so there's a couple ways to think about this traditional, traditional mindset was really calories in calories out. Again, this is like a thing that doesn't really light my fire, although it could technically work. Now it doesn't work for everyone. Um, and there's a reason why it doesn't work for everyone that I'm going to get to in two more pillars here. Um, so I I personally don't, I know that some nutritionists feel like, like they're, they're unhappy that there's a big industry of people that, you know, that are not nutritionists that, that capitalize in this way. I personally feel like someone doesn't need to spend money to have a conversation with me around this. Like, I don't need to, there's plenty of information out there online. If someone wants to kind of play around with this, mentality um then great like play around with it you can experiment and, and see what works best for you now there's a couple other things that i think work possibly better um well, actually a few things so i sometimes tell people Um, I focus on like a micro and a micronutrient approach, but my friend Emily, she just was on the podcast, uh, an episode or two ago. She really goes about this macro, like she's a macro coach sort of, I don't know if that's what she wants to be called, but she really focuses on like what foods actually made up proteins, fats, and carbs. And I think that's very promising because we've, we've created so many systems that are kind of based on like something we made up. That I think is really cool when we kind of go back to basics and teach people how food actually works. And so I like that, um, that mentality. I know it works really well for the right people. And so I, I love that. So I totally refer you to someone who does macro stuff as long as it doesn't get disordered um, to get to reach your goals. I think that's kind of a cool like mechanical approach to weight loss. Now, I don't know if this is where this fits. Um, but I think it's kind of popular and, and uh, trending right now. So I want to talk about it. So intermittent fasting, um, you know, the, the benefits are really well beyond weight loss. It's actually the, the benefits of intermittent fasting are prolonged intermittent fasting. Now, what the heck is intermittent fasting really, really quick? We can talk about this in another episode if you like. But intermittent fasting is essentially having an open and closed window. So maybe people are not eating for 12 to 16 hours, and then they're eating for 8- or five hours out of the day. And I think one thing I have to say about this upfront is that um, it's trendy. So people want to try this. And I I just always remember this guy one time who's told me, yeah, I, Krista, I intermittent fasted today. I didn't eat lunch. I said, "Hun, that is not intermittent fasting. That is skipping a meal due to poor planning. Intermittent fasting is, um, so if you eat breakfast, don't eat lunch, and then eat dinner, that is not intermittent fasting. This is like if you push your breakfast into more brunch, and then you shorten your window. So totally different topic for a different time. But what I want to say that I think is really important is that even if you're kind of like opening and closing the kitchen, so to speak, or um, shortening your window of eating, and there are several kind of secondary benefits to this as well, possibly for the right person. um, Even if you're skipping a meal, you're not skipping nutrients. So I think that's critical, because you can't skip nutrients, or this is totally backfires. So the benefits actually of fasting, uh, or sometimes I call it gut rest, are more related to, there's there's several things here. It can be related to gut health, um, it increases butyrate, which is good for gut health, but also the a lot of the research that's coming out of, I think, University of Southern California and Walter Longo, who's from Italy, he has a book called The Longevity Diet, is around neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, um, because when done properly, fasting should increase autophagy, which is basically cleanup of old and diseased cells. So guess what happens when you hold on to old and diseased cells for multiple reasons? Uh, it progresses into diseases <laughs> of different types. Um, so I think specifically cancer and neurodegenerative stuff. And so again, Walter Long was really the the person on that. Now there are people out there that utilize fasting for weight loss. Um, I don't necessarily advertise that I would help around this. I I do help people with this if we have a pre-existing relationship and they already have a great foundation, which I'll address in topic four or pillar four. But I wouldn't necessarily like to advertise that intermittent fasting is about weight loss up front just because I want people to be focused on improving health for different reasons aside from weight loss. I want them to be focused on improving their foundation to care about decreasing. So for example, I have a client that has a 30% increased probability of Alzheimer's based on her genetic review we did. So she has, um, she's basically epsilon three for the APOE gene, which that gene is related to Alzheimer's and also whether you should have a high fat diet or a lower fat diet or what like works best for you. So she has a 30% increased probability. And so by utilizing some of these appropriate fasting strategies, she at least in by research should be able to decrease her probability of having Alzheimer's. Great. And she's not, there's no contraindication, um, from her case. Like she doesn't have any disordered eating, so we can work on safe fasting options together. So it's a fit for her. Right. But I have to share it because it's, it's being used as a weight loss strategy. I think, um, I think it could be useful. My point is is I like it done correctly when it's micronutrient rich, right? So it's not skipping nutrients. It's, um, shortening that window. So anyway, so mechanics of weight loss one hundred and one: calories in, calories out. That's kind of traditional stuff. There's other traditional things, um, and then kind of what I more am, more embrace, even though I don't really practice it, is more macro stuff. And sometimes, yeah, I do have to like I call macro counting. Sometimes training wheels, and then learning because sometimes you don't even know what you're doing. And so sometimes getting data helps you understand what you're doing. And then once you know what you're doing, you can just take the training wheels off and then ride the bike. Um, so. Anyway, not necessarily a primary thing I do, but I do help people with that. Um, but I guess I don't lead with, okay, this is weight loss. Because I think that sometimes it attracts a mentality of, um, it's just, it's tricky. So it it the mindset piece is really tricky. There's so many pieces to this um, that it's almost like you, you want someone who's kind of focused on assembling all those pieces for you. All right, so let's talk about something that I feel is kind of Um, I don't know how long it's been around, but it feels like it's really taking center stage now, I guess, at least in my view, it is. And this is called it's a movement really called health at every size and intuitive eating, intuitive eating. Now, I'm not an expert at those things. And I would refer you to the May 2017 episode from Lindsay Stenovic, who does a bomb job of explaining the tenets of intuitive eating. Because I promise that they're not what you think, which is stop eating when you're full and eat when you're hungry. It's not like that. It's a lot more than that. So, uh, it's yeah, so the episode episode that Lindsay talks about this is called trusting your nutrition instincts in a world of overwhelming diet culture. Now, I think what is sometimes not clear is that people that are really amazing in this field, work with or they have crossover with working with um, disordered eating counseling, such as Um, For people that have dealt or deal with bulimia, anorexia, exercise bulimia, orthorexia, which is um, an eating disorder related to like being so healthy that it's unhealthy, Um, like an obsession with health almost to the point of unhealth, (laughs) unhealth. Um, And so I think if people have struggled with disordered eating and have never gotten help people are probably not better yet. I'm not sure how else to say that. But big picture. Now, if we step way back, big picture is that I guess I feel like we all need <laughs> all need all of these pillars. Um, Big picture is that we all need body confidence and self love. And if you don't want to see someone about this, which is fine, my preferred text or book on this topic is by dietitian Rebecca Scritchfield, and it's titled body confidence. Now, at this point, I feel like I can sort of like, I guess I look at how the marketing people put out and I can kind of recognize which bloggers and which people are kind of subscribing to this messaging or maybe the ones that have suffered from disordered eating or maybe that's their community and who their audience is, which is great because I think that the stats that say that, you know, from these national organizations that say about one to five percent are affected by disordered eating are probably grossly understated. And at one time, the stats for those going to school for nutrition that had disordered eating tendencies were pretty staggering. So there's no doubt that we need to include this pillar, which is kind of health at every size, body confidence, etc, as like a viable and essential piece of all foundational weight stuff. Um, and so that's why I wanted to talk about it. And how my point is, is like, there's several pieces to this. So I think people always think like, oh, weight loss, magic bullet, like it's this unattainable trophy that I can't get or like, it's this, it's this. It's this pedestal that I can't reach or the people feel really frustrated about it. And really, you have to understand that there's many pieces to it. So I feel before I move on. So health at every size and, and intuitive eating and that whole style feels a lot like counseling related to behave, food behaviors and beliefs from the out, an outsider as I am. So even though it's not a backbone backbone to my own process with clients, again, I still think it's really, really important. And I don't want anyone to leave you know, my practice program without feeling like they're working toward body confidence and kindness. I hear people say negative, and they um, say they have self limiting beliefs. Um, And I always say, I, I mean, I hear that very clearly when people are like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I said, please stop saying I can't. So I really encourage people to work on self compassion, when that's what they need, right? So how does a provider arrive at core values like that? It's because we've seen people off in the past and then had regrets about that. And I know I've had people that weren't necessarily diagnosed with disordered eating um, years ago, earlier in practice, but definitely needed support and direction toward having a healthy direction, healthy relationship with food. So if you have someone like that in your life, um, you know, maybe buy them that book, uh, Body Confidence, or I don't know, just mention it. Um, you know, sometimes people are just looking for someone to say something to them. Um, So I think we all need, again, some body confidence to some extent with or, you know, positive messaging around this with all the other diet culture messages bombarding us. So despite... There's a little bit of polarity at the time of this recording between professionals that practice kind of this method and other forms of nutrition, to be perfectly honest. So if you ever see it on social media, it is there. But I really think what we need to be doing is having more open dialogue between body confidence principles and then bridging the gaps to the next pillar or bucket, which I'm going to talk about, which is underlying functional and foundational problems. So to recap, we've talked about a few pillars that are all important. So mindset and accountability, the mechanics of how it gets done is that traditional, some newer stuff, you know, what is it? The body confidence, health at every size, peace. And then this is where, this is one I, this is the conversation I have with people. Functional and foundational imbalances. I say, hey friend, I don't really do weight loss. I only deal with the underlying reason you cannot lose weight. So if that's not a fit for you and you're just obsessed with the weight loss, it's not gonna work out between us. So let's talk about what functional and foundational imbalances can all mean. It might mean inflammation and gut health. You might group hormones under this, um, and it would be hormones under this, but in my world, I still think hormones mean gut health, nutrients, and stress response, and I'm happy to go over what I think hormones mean in another episode if you tell me that you want that, if you message me and tell me that's what you want. Endocrine issues, in a way, also fall under this, which includes polycystic ovarian syndrome, the most common endocrine disorder and reviewed in our forthcoming PCOS episode from the PCOS nutritionist. Thyroid issues, very, 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 very common. And then diabetes because um, thyroid, uh, you know, ins- or, uh, pancreas, they're all endocrine um, organs. So these are endocrine issues. So let's go back to inflammation and gut health because this is kind of, this is really my backbone of, of what I work with, right? So if you are new here, the name Less Stressed Life, the name of this podcast is is an umbrella for a lot of topics. But it really came about because when I used to talk about inflammation, I noticed that the only people that tuned in uh, back when people used to watch more Facebook Live are the people that already knew what inflammation was. And I thought, gosh, that's a travesty because inflammation affects so many of us. I want you all to understand how it affects you. And so I felt like stress was the best synonym. And truly, stress responses are really interesting in how they do impact um, overall health. So another topic. So let's just talk about what's kind of common in when there's like a functional or foundational imbalance, especially related to gut health and inflammation. This is something people would say. This is the hallmark thing people would say when they're dealing with gut health and inflammation as a root cause. They would say, I used to not have trouble losing weight. And now no matter what I do, it won't budge something like that. Like I used to not have a problem with this and all of a sudden I turned 40 or all of a sudden this happened and all of a sudden this happened and I just can't budge, even though I've tried all these things. I've tried traditional mechanics, I've tried all these things and it just doesn't work anymore. So I really think about that being inflammation overall and how do you see inflammation conventionally, right? So inflammation uh, we see in lab testing, like the most, if you ask your doctor, Hey, can you measure inflammation? He would take, he would look at CRP or CRP. C-reactive protein, that's kind of our hallmark inflammatory marker, but it goes much deeper. When I look at labs, functional labs, I look at micronutrient patterns, fatty acids like omegas, oleic acid, et cetera, because once inflammation has gotten really high, it starts dipping into those um, omegas and oleic acid and whatnot, which is, you know, it's a long story, but it's kind of how, why omegas are anti-inflammatory, I guess. Um, so physically, just looking at a person and I it's almost like a, a curse because now I'll sit down with someone I realize oh you're inflamed because their rings are tight uh, right like they're retaining water you can just see it there's swelling um, I mean I I get we all have experiences where we get that way you know it kind of fills in around your face um, you leave sock marks so that's like physical signs of inflammation but. I will tell you that it's even more prevalent than you think in athletes because they're over here lifting, shredding muscle fibers so often, but are they fueling for repair or do they not repair and do they dig in deeper? And that'll really piss you off, right? If you work out hard and you don't lose weight, (laughs) it's because, um, if you have some inflammation, you will start retaining water essentially. And there's actually a whole thing about like, um, Glycogen storage in the in the in the liver, and how you know for each each uh, amount of glycogen, you retain so much water. Anyway, I won't get into that at the moment. But my point is is um, I I work from like a food first approach, a custom anti-inflammatory approach with food, and it's really not unusual if someone's dealing with signs and symptoms of inflammation for me to see seven to fifteen pound weight loss in like two to four weeks. It's not really weird if if we're harboring inflammation. Um, and sometimes there's other underlying gut balances, like I say, so I guess my point is we have several tenets here. None of them can be ignored, but I really avoid going about it from like, Hey, I'm going about this from weight loss perspective, because that's a really top level discussion for me. And so I need someone to understand that there's the underlying pieces Because if I have to go convince you of that, it's going to take longer, right? Like you have to be bought into that. So I love it more when someone's like, hey, I want to work on my foundational and functional imbalances related to that. Maybe they're not going to come say that, but I want to work on these micronutrients. I want to understand, you know, my inflammatory nutrients or my, um, you know, maybe the foods that are most inflammatory for me or... Many things I need to balance my blood sugar because um, that insulin resistance, that hormone issue um, related to my endocrine issues are making is making me retain weight. So there's many underlying factors. And sometimes when we just look at the top down, we don't see what's underneath. And so I guess my point is, is stop looking from the top down. Start evaluating those underlying root causes. Are you stuck at the mindset accountability part? Do you need that in addition to the mechanics? Do you need that in addition to the foundation? And, you know, my mantra is with the foundation is, you know, if you build the most beautiful house with the most gore- decorated gorgeously, if the foundation is not solid, it will just crumble. So anyway, I hope that was helpful. You can let me know if it was. Um, happy New Year. I'm so darn thankful that you're here and that you're listening. And I hope that you stick around, you hit subscribe. And I can't wait until we talk again. Peace.